0: are now tuning in to discover your potential with radio talk show host Dan Gilman Cindy Gilman's son so listen participate be inspired know that you can discover your potential here he is Dan Gilman
1: This is Dan Gilman your host for Discover Your Potential we have such an extraordinary guest today I'm so very excited super talented film TV stage actor, producer, and director, and show business community's most respected environmentalist. I want to introduce you to Ed Bagley Jr. Hi, Ed. So good for you to be here. I'm honored.
0: Mr. Gilman, what a pleasure to be on with you.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, so I wanted to, well, first I, I wanted to um, speak about uh, your Your acting career and then segue into something that is very important and dear to me, uh which is the environment and I know also you were currently on preferred health magazine's cover as well, so I wanted to to share that with everyone but first off, I wanted to chat with you about what what was your childhood like where were you close with your parents? I know your father was also an actor.
0: Yeah, my dad was an actor and he did a lot of Broadway stage when I was young and continued to the rest of his life. And he did TV shows and movies and won an Oscar for Sweet Bird of Youth. He was in wonderful movies like 12 Angry Men. So since my father was an actor, I wanted to do what my father did, really. If he had been a plumber, I'd probably be hitting pipe now. But he was not a plumber. He was an actor. And I I just wanted to do it, but I didn't really understand how it worked. I secretly, without ever saying it to him, it wouldn't have played very well with my dad, I'm sure, but I secretly resented him for not just getting me a job as an actor, you know, I was a kid. So I didn't have any idea that he had no ability to do that. Number one, that didn't really happen. An actor can just call up and get a job for their son. Those situations happen so rare as to be, you know, impossible. And also, I had no training, you know, I just thought, well, my dad, what he's doing looks easy. Let me do that. Give me a series. And uh, I went out on a few interviews. Again, I only got those interviews because I was the son of Ed Begley. I didn't get one single job, of course, out of about 10 or 12 interviews I went on over the course of <clears throat> about seven years. Then finally, finally, I wised up and took some classes and started to train As anyone would, if you're going to be a plumber, you apprentice as a plumber and you watch people do it and you try it yourself and see if you can go to make a good, you know, joint with copper pipe or steel pipe. If you could put the the tape on properly and get a good seal on that. And uh, that's what you do. You train. And finally, when I had some training, I started to work at a fairly young age. I was 17 when I got my first job, so called My Three Sons very popular show in the sixties. And I did just one episode of that. And I thought that's it. I'm in Screen Actors Guild. Here we go. I'm going to be a big star. Let's get that phone ringing and I sat <laughs> by the phone, literally expecting you to get 20 other jobs offered me. If I had an interview, I suppose I would, you know, grace them with that. I suppose I would do that if they really insisted on the interviewing for yet another part, but I'm inside, let's get a series going here. And of course that didn't happen. So I, Worked as a cameraman for years, a camera assistant. and loved that work. But then the acting did pick up. I continued to train and got better. And I got pulled back into acting in about 1970, 71. I started to work fairly regularly. And I've worked quite regularly ever since. I got into Screen Actors Guild in 1967. That's 54 years I've been working as an actor. And very blessed and grateful to still be doing it. Wow, that's that's incredible.
1: And you've been in acting for over fifty four years. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Professionally, I did plays and what have you before that. I've been acting since an even younger age, but working as a professional actor for fifty four plus years.
1: Wow, that's incredible. And and I know one of your mentors uh, was uh, was it William Daniels? Can you tell? Yes, us a I was bit? a great
0: fan of his. i had seen him in a movie called Two for the Road. And he was also in the parallax view. I'd seen him in a few movies and I knew he was great on stage. I hadn't seen him in any of his wonderful stage work in New York and elsewhere. But I was up for a part on this show called St. Elsewhere in the 80s. And I didn't get the part. I was up for a part of a regular character called Peter White. Went up getting killed in the second or third year. And I didn't get that. And they threw me a bone, gave me a much smaller part. It was in an episode or two. But then... As I said, Peter White gets shot, and that my character of Ehrlich became one of the pivotal characters in the show. So you can't always get what you want, and what the universe has in store for you is often better.
1: Yeah, that is true. I love that. I love that show. It was great.
0: Me too. Thank you.
1: Um, be, before before I go on to um, mentioning other questions or, or asking you, but if you want to speak with Ed Begley Jr., I wanted to mention our call-in number is 888 627 6008 that's 888 627 6008 i just wanted to bring that up cuz uh, i i didn't mention that earlier but so when you first started performing were if i'm not mistaken were you into comedy is that correct or is that something I was, that you focused
0: on when i was quite young they asked me what i wanted to be i mean age 2 or 3 i want to be an actor what do you want to <laughs> be the next day i go i want to be a comedian and you could, of course, be both things, as John Rickles and my father and many other people proved. Um, and I, um, you know, I had a comedy act for a while. I was part of a duo. I worked with a very talented Michael Richards, played Kramer on Seinfeld, many other roles. And we had a duo and he went off and joined the army and I was on my own. So I went, well, maybe I'll try to do a single act. And I wrote some more material and I. When I was living in Boulder, Colorado, and there was a talent night or something, and I, I won whatever the prize was, which was, a, I guess it was a, a job to actually work there for a night or two or a week or something to be able to do comedy there for a very small amount of money. But I went, wow, I'm a professional comedian now. And I always, besides getting dramatic roles as an actor, when I started, I got a lot of comedy roles, too. And so I learned to be a comic on stage. And on film and and in television, and uh, yeah, I've done probably as much, if not more, comedy than I have drama. Oh, that's incredible!
1: And uh, you, you've you played you've been in so many films and TV roles. I've I was looking at your credits uh, earlier, and um, what if there are any? What were a few of your favorites that you performed in? I know that's a that's a hard question,
0: but St. Elsewhere was a great favorite experience in my professional life and in my personal life. Hmm. The writers were so good on that show. The actors were all so good, the directors. So that was six years of just sheer splendor and fun and joy and, you know, financial reward to be in a series. I mean, not like being part of uh, another successful show during the 80s, Miami Vice, where you're one of two characters, then you got a a really big payday, but to be part of an ensemble cast, it was... uh, Good money, but not, you know, huge star money, of course, because I have a lot of people in the cast. So I I worked. I made some dough. I learned some more and was part of something very good. Also, I got to work with the incredible Meryl Streep in a movie called Sea Devil. That was a high point of my career as an actor and my life as a person to work with someone someone as gifted and wonderful as her. And uh, I worked with Jack Nicholson on a movie called Going South. He's been a friend of mine since 72, and he was kind enough to give me a job in 1977. And I had a great time in Mexico working on that. And I worked with Bob Hoskins, Michael Caine, and John Lithgow in a thing called World War II, when Lions Roared, we shot in Prague, which is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So working there with those wonderful actors, uh, you can imagine the kind of stories they all had between shots. Just that was joyous. And to work with Chris Guest in all his movies, to be in Spinal Tap with all of them. My friend Rob Reiner directing. Then Chris did his, all his many Waiting for Guffman movies. I was not in that movie, but then I was in Best in Show and Mighty Wind. And, geez, I think every project he's done since. And uh, very grateful to know Chris and to work with the likes of him. And Arrested Development. And now Young Sheldon. I'm on that Fairly regularly, and I just love that show. It's such a heartwarming show and funny. Uh, I I just really love the show. Better Call Saul. I was on that for several seasons. I really love just watching that show. Let alone the gift of being in it. Yeah. So uh,
1: it's a great show.
0: I'm a blessed old man. I'm 72 years old now and still working. I don't care if you're in the storm door industry or selling used cars. If you're working 54 years in any business and you still enjoy it. You are one blessed individual and I am not.
1: Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I was actually, (laughs) my, my other question I was going to ask you was about, um, working with Meryl Streep, uh, in She-Devil actually. She's, she's so, she's so extraordinary. She's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah. She Uh, is
0: a goddess on and off screen. She's been active in some important things environmentally. Uh, Mm-hmm. It was something they used to use on apples for years, something called Alar that was uh, a dangerous chemical, and it, it didn't really kill any pests or anything. It just made the apples look prettier. So a lot of people, she and I and many others, went, keep keep the Alar to yourself, you know, and, you know, well, I don't mind if an apple looks a little unusual as long as it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was active in that years ago and lots of other wonderful things environmentally and otherwise. So she's someone i greatly admired and uh ed Asden was a dear friend of mine he was very active in a lot of important causes to him so he was a great role model in that way for me so uh i i'm just lucky to know people like that that care about important things and do something about them absolutely and do they still use that on apples just curious they banned it years ago okay. don't, That's yeah good. i don't think you're allowed to use it and the rumor was that all the apple growers in America were gonna go out of business and they did not go out of business. Right. They, you know, people went I you know, I don't I don't need another chemical in my life. Right. You know, because it didn't even do anything important like kill a bug, and there's ways to keep bugs off apples without using any of those chemicals too. And yeah. a lot of people have embraced that. Organic apples do very well. Organic apple orchards and organic pear orchards and Plum orchards do very well. Uh, you know, they just uh, advertise uh, the product for what it is. And some people are willing to pay that. It's not much more nowadays because pesticides and herbicides and fungicides are very expensive. So a lot of people can uh, do even better financially factoring in, uh, you know, you know, whatever costs there are in doing things organically and, uh, you know, with integrated pest management and what have you, to use ladybugs and things like that on crops instead of using hazardous chemicals.
1: Yeah, and do they they still
0: rub wax, though, On I've noticed, on apples? I think they do. I think they yeah. wax a lot of the fruit. Some fruit they do not wax. and But, uh, yeah, you can see a lot of fruit out there is waxed. You can pretty easy to tell the difference sitting in the bin there, the stuff that looks like a, a gleaming floor. <laughs> right. And other stuff has more of a matte finish. I always go for those kinds of apples. Yeah, I prefer that as well.
1: Um, not to go because I know we want to go into the environment. I know you're that's that's a big component of what you do. But uh, I know um, I wanted to ask you. You you uh, in in a few interviews that I've seen actually, you've mentioned working with uh, acting teacher Roy London, and I was really interested. You mentioned. He mentioned, uh, I know this is kind of out of context, but how a character deals with pain in either comedy or drama. I'd love to hear more about that. That I just found that so intriguing uh, when you mentioned that.
0: I only worked with him briefly. He passed away sadly.
1: Oh, i sorry. But God.
0: I, sorry about my daughter's dog there, to make a little noise, she will stop. But well, I worked with Roy London in the show I was doing called Winnetka Road, that came and went. But I wanted a little extra help from someone knowledgeable when he was out. He had worked with a lot of my friends as an acting coach. And after we did some work one day, he said, you know what I think is the most interesting thing to watch, Ed? I said, what's that, Roy? He says, how a character deals with pain. And I sat there and I nodded and I thought, I thought this guy was good. What a stupid, how a character, oh, pain! I'm in pain. Look at me, I'm suffering. I'm in Garcia Lorca's blood wedding, and my character's in pain and life is painful. Jesus Christ, why did I waste my money on this guy? So thanks a lot, Roy. Oh, geez, I got to run. I got to get home. I'm driving home. And I go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't say a character. I didn't. What's the most interesting thing to watch is a character in pain or suffering from pain. How a character deals with pain. Mm-hmm. How you keep that lid on the pot or try to. Sophie's, Sophie and Sophie's Choice, Meryl Streep's character. How she's trying to live her life years down the road from what happened to her. And then we discover what Sophie's choice was and how she's trying to deal with her pain over those many years. Pick any movie that Joaquin Phoenix does. Pick any movie that Daniel Day-Lewis does or any movie that Meryl does as a French lieutenant woman or out of Africa, how she deals the pain of what her character, Isaac Dennison, is going through any of the wonderful roles she's done. And it's universal. It's comedy or drama. Laurel and Hardy are carrying a piano, a big heavy piano down a flight of stairs and they fall carrying a piano. And then as they fall, they fall in piece of piano, this heavy piano fall on them. And you're laughing the way it's staged. You can't help but laugh if you want to find that clip and watch it, it's very funny. But it's people carrying a piano and it's it's how their characters deal with pain. Mm -hmm. It's true comedy or drama. Roy was very smart. I didn't listen to what he said, of course. How does a character deal with pain? And what's the most interesting to watch as I said, is trying to keep the lid on that pot, to keep it from boiling over, and it's starting to boil again, and you're trying to watch this character, what it's seeing between the reeds and what they're trying to hide from you with all the different behaviors, and that's very compelling to watch. And uh, Roy was right. How a character deals with pain, and it can be physical pain, it can be emotional pain, it can be cosmic dread, it can be whatever it is, but that's that's what's very interesting to watch. And you look at, Take another great comic performance for my money. Get on YouTube or anything and watch a clip of Sherry O'Terry from Saturday Night Live going to a pharmacist counter to get medication. Sherry O'Terry pharmacist. Just type it in and watch. You want to see something funny? It's a character very much in pain, and it's hysterical as everything she does. So, it's out there. It's a universally true rule, in my opinion. And I stand by it. Roy London, who's a dear man and a very smart one at that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind, I would love to talk to you about your dear friend and mentor, Norman Lloyd,
0: actually. Oh, I love Norman Lloyd. He was a man that I worked with before saying Elsewhere. He was a director and a producer. He worked with Alfred Hitchcock. He worked with, um, you know, he was in the Mercury Players, of course, and worked with Orson Welles and you know, he was a saboteur and Hitchcock saboteur. Hmm. And he just was such a knowledgeable guy. He knew so much about old Hollywood. I was the son of Ed Begley, so now I knew a little bit about Old Hollywood. It was kind of starting to fade away, some of these things. I met one of the Keystone cops as I was a young man. That's silent yeah. film days, but I met yeah. one of the people who was one of the Keystone cops in, in those old comedies. So I I got to wow. see a bit of that woman lived it. And he was wonderful in the show St. Elsewhere and helped me a great deal and gave me something to aspire to, to still be working at his age. Back then, I think he was maybe 70, maybe late 60s. I thought, wow, he is so old. And here I am, a little older than that, what he was at the beginning of St. Elsewhere. I'm 72 now. So uh, maybe I'll get to be someone else's Norman Lloyd and pass it on as he did to me, that legacy of what came before, uh, you know, Anybody who doesn't know about the actor Norman Lloyd, look that up and see about the fine work he did. Mm-hmm. Amazing actor, amazing director, and producer too.
1: Who who would you consider your role models? Just curious <clears throat> about that. Do you do you have? I know Lloyd is probably one of them. Daniels uh, potentially. Uh, do you have other role models in the industry that you feel is is one of your role models? Before, I mean, now you're you're probably a role model. to So many.
0: I mentioned it, I mentioned his name before and I'll say it again. I don't ever expect to do the work anything remotely like Joaquin Phoenix, but I can watch what he does and try to do my humble version of that kind of immersion, immersion in a character and that kind of commitment and that kind of talk about how our character deals with pain, him and the joker, or him and uh, the master, uh, you know, the you know, gladiator. Everything that he does is so remarkable.
1: Stritten He's idea. someone
0: I aspire to as an actor. Daniel Day-Lewis, I've had the pleasure of meeting him. The kind of work that he does is just incredible. I, I made a meal one day for Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Alan Arkin, my old friend from the in-laws, was there. Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I can't remember who else was there, but wonderful wonderful actors. I, it was in a Motion Picture Academy lunch. And, uh, you know, I just had a a great, great time cooking for them. And so I got to, I've gotten to know some of the, those people that are that talented. Another role model is of course the great Meryl Streep, you know, to try to do the kind of work that she does. Again, I haven't a fraction of the skills. I could never do anything approaching that, but I try to have that level of commitment and that kind of level of preparation, you know, when I have the time given my schedule, Okay. You know, I don't have like months to prepare as one often does with a major motion picture. I have a few days to prepare for a television show often, but I do the best I can and try to emulate those kind of talented people. Then environmentally, I have my role models. You know, yes. Cesar Chavez was a friend of mine. And he not only did so much for the farm workers, you know, with you know, wages and working conditions, but part of the working conditions, uh, you know, work that he did for the farm workers with people that are getting hit with pesticides and how, you know, that's an environmental issue. And I I knew Cesar Chavez and I work with him on those matters and continued to work with his partner in the union, the great Dolores Huerta. Dolores is a friend of mine and I've gotten to work with her and I know Jane Goodall and work with her oh, on the Roots Jane and Shoots program. Wow. So I'm just blessed to know these people and they are my environmental ro- role model, David Brower. Yeah. You know, from Friends of the Earth. Um, and, uh, you know, he just was, he passed away years mm-hmm. ago, but he was an incredible man and a, a great role model environmentally. Sylvia Earle, oh, yeah. uh, who knows so much about the oceans. I, I'm blessed to know these people and, and I get to continue to work with some of them.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Jane Goodall's incredible. Isn't she? She is amazing.
0: She's so. a force of nature.
1: Yeah, I remember down in Boston, I actually got to meet her once. She was doing a conference down here, and she's just extraordinary. Sorry, I just jump off topic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's no one like her. She's amazing.
1: Yeah, she is. She is. Uh, Well, I'd love to continue to talk about your acting career, but I know, you know, our timing, I would love to go into the environment. But there's one thing I do want to ask you, because there might be some young people who aspire you know, inspire and are inspired by you. And I'd love for them to hear from maybe from your side of what you feel, uh, what kind of tip or suggestion or help or support that you could give young potential actors who want to really go into acting or performance or if there's something that you can give them today. And then I'd love to like move on to the environment.
0: If you are a pianist or a violin player, if you're a musician, a guitarist, you're gonna to wanna to practice every day. You're going want, you, you need to play if you wanna be very good at something, even certainly great at something, you have to practice every day in a very disciplined manner. If you're an actor, you need to act. You need to do it as much as you can and not just wait to get a TV show or a movie and start acting then because you somehow got a role you know god knows how you would get it without training but you need to be part of a theater group you need to do you know small films independent films you know uh this is after having some training before you even rise to the level to do that you know student films short subjects actors act so the best way to get cracking is to whatever city you're in if they if it's a large enough city like you know LA San Francisco Chicago New York Boston cities like that there's always theater groups get part of a theater group a regional theater group a community theater group and start doing plays at a young person as a middle-aged person as an older person wants to start acting or return to it actors act violinists play the violin the guitar players play the guitar and they do it regularly so you have to keep that muscle working and you have to act. So, and the best way to do that, to get ready and to be able to get admitted into a theater group, you have to train and take some classes from somebody reputable. Uh, and and that's very, very important. You have to train.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's, that's interesting. Uh, so, I did want to talk about. I know you live by example. You're an environmentalist. When did you start living an, you know, an eco friendly life, or what? What was the thing that made you do it? What What really got you to push through where so many others just don't?
0: It was It was living in L.A. At that point, I was 20 years old. I lived two decades in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. And L.A. at that time, for my whole young life, then 1949 when I was born till this year, mm-hmm. you know that I started 1970. I lived in horrible choking smog. It hurt your lungs nearly every day of the year. Only these few days when it would rain, you know the winds blow, would you be able to catch your breath. But other than that, you just it, you took short breaths because it hurt to breathe. Mm they would not allow the kids outdoors to play or even indoors because you'd open the door and the smog would come in, of course, or open a window, whatever. It wasn't like there was no smog inside. It was just worse outside. And you, uh, you, you were told by the authorities not to play in those days and not to move around much. It was just crazy. Hmm. So that was the, the bad influence that got me involved. You know, the other bad thing was this river called the Cuyahoga River outside Cleveland caught fire. And I thought, this is a bad sign. When rivers are so polluted, they're catching fire. That's bad. You know, the Santa Barbara oil spill happened in 1969. That was very bad. But the good thing also motivated me. The good thing was I was in Boy Scouts and I saw nature up close and personal and liked it. I knew it had value. And my dad was a conservative who liked to conserve. You know, we turned off the lights and turned off the water and saved string and say tin foil. He was a son of Irish immigrants. He lived through the Great Depression. Mm. So all that stuff, those good and bad influences, led me to get started in 1970. And uh I said, Well, what are we gonna do? This is a nice day. What about the other 364 days of the year? What do we do? He said, Well, we're gonna clean up there and clean up the water. I went, sign me up, but I couldn't afford things like solar panels or a fancy electric car. I could afford to take the bus or, you know, take other forms of public transportation. I could afford to ride my bicycle, I became a vegetarian. I used all sorts of non-toxic baking soda and vinegar and water to clean things. Now I did everything that I could afford and there was a lot I could do. And each one of those things also helped me save money. So I stayed with it and I bought a $950 electric car in 1970. It was basically a golf cart with a windshield wiper and a horn but it had a California license plate mostly driven by old people in retirement communities, but I could drive it, you know, staying to the right of the road, you know, and so you didn't get run into, I drove it around LA for a while. And, uh, and all that stuff was not only good for the environment, it was good for my pocketbook. So I stayed with it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. I know Buck Binster Fuller also created something (laughs) at one point in time or tried to, yes,
0: he was a, Very uh, good influence on people to take action environmentally. Geodesic domes were, you know, a wonderful way to build simple structures that were structurally sound. And, you know, they were, you know, low cost materials. He did a lot of, you know, very noteworthy things for years. I was a fan of his as well.
1: Yeah. So everything we buy, uh, as you know, everything we own has some sort of carbon footprint. More than just the purchase price or uh, you know the cost of the environment, but even even the web even the web actually causes carbon footprint. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that. But with that said, are, what do, what are your thoughts on alternative technology that can help our environment, like battery technology or, you know, I know that they're coming up with things where well, they were for a while at MIT. They were doing um, living batteries. I don't know if they're ever going to be put that into production, but I've heard you know organisms that actually save energy.
0: That would be great. I hope they keep pursuing that because that's another viable option. But there's plenty of ways you can do something uh, today that will help reduce your carbon footprint and save you money if you do it in the right order. And that's what I urge people to do, to pick the low-hanging fruit first and do what they can. Can you afford to buy some light bulbs, energy saving light bulbs, energy saving thermostat, you know, weather stripping, home garden, home composting. If you have a bit of a back or front yard, you can grow things, public transportation if it's available near you, uh, bike riding if weather and fitness permit. Do those things and you'll save money. And then maybe get yourself a home energy audit, get your home well insulated, and very efficient. And then and only then, after you've done all that, maybe look into. Solar panels, if you can afford to buy them, or nowadays you can, you don't have to buy them with no money down. Most places in America you can lease a solar system and put that up on your roof if your roof is a good candidate. And nowadays they use Google Maps, they don't even send a person out to your house, they'll look on Google Maps, see what kind of shading you have from trees or other buildings. They go, No, you're not a good candidate for solar, we're not going to waste your time, or we'll come by Tuesday and you know have a guy give you some information about what it would cost on your roof. Mm. So there's a lot that we can do today. The technology is getting better. I have a LEED Platinum Home. What that is is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, L-E-E-D. And it's like the rating, the miles per gallon, if you will, of a home. Mm -hmm. How fuel efficient it is. How energy efficient in every way. How much electricity. How much natural gas. How much water. And they even look at, as they should look at, how much energy you used while you were building it? How much trash you created on site at the job site, the construction site when you're building it? How far did that stone material for your countertop come? Did it come from, is it marble from Italy? Eh, you know, you get dinged for that and you should, you know, because it used a lot of carbon, a lot of CO2 to get it to Southern California. So you avoid those kinds of materials. And if you do everything right, and we did, we hit not lead silver, not lead gold, but platinum status, which is up high. Hmm. And we did a very good job with that. But I got to tell you, as quickly as I say that, it's been a few years since we finished the house. And when Greta came on the scene, Greta Toonberry, she you know, she really moved me. And I went, I got to do more. And I didn't fly hmm. much at all back then, but I just stopped flying. I really don't fly ever now. I take my, my electric car, which has pretty good range, and I drive cross-country in it. I just don't fly anywhere. Oh. And, and I also, I thought, what else can I do at my house? I've got a lead platinum home. And I realized I had from years ago, we had a natural gas dryer. I got rid of that, put in an electric dryer. We had a natural gas booster water heater because our solar hot water system gives us our hot water most of the time. But if it's cloudy for a few days, the water is going to be cold. And you can't take a hot shower or what have you in the, The ladies aren't gonna put up with that. I can maybe brave that. They ain't gonna do that. Right. So we got rid of that elect that on that sorry, that natural gas booster water here to boost our solar hot water and replace that with electric. That's actually being put in soon. We've ordered it already, and A.O. Smith is gonna do that job soon. So that's great. There's always something you can do.
1: Yeah. So is your home run solar, basically, solar energy powered or it, it is
0: mostly run on solar. It would be if it was just me here living alone, or Michelle and I as a couple living here alone and living a modest retired life. We can live off the the solar panels and the the you know the hot water that we get. We have very low natural gas bill if we still have that, or very low electric bill. But we have three and a half people charging cars here. By that I mean, I drive a pure electric. My wife drives a pure electric, and so does. She drives a, a Chevy Volt, but she never drives it on gasoline. It's always on electric. The trips that she's taken. So charging three cars, you can't be, all right. You know, just charging them on what rooftop solar you have. You'd have to have a, a nearby field or a roof as big as a Walmart to charge yeah. three and a half cars. Because I say a half because my grown daughter lives in an apartment, so she comes to charge at my house a lot of the time. And also, we have a pool, which I fought my wife on and I lost the battle. I didn't want to have a pool because I knew that pool filter would be running a lot of time. That's like running a blow dryer. You might know pool filters, uh, you know, and we have a very efficient pump, but still with that efficient pump, it's still like running a blow dryer eight hours a day. And then we also have an ozone treatment system rather than use chlorine in the pool. We treat it with ozone. That's like having half a blow dryer. Then we also have because it wasn't warm enough for my wife to feel comfortable in the pool, so we put some black tubing, solar black tubing, on the back of the photovoltaic, and pump that water from the back of the of the uh, solar electric panels, which is quite hot on the back, down to the pool. So that pump is running 10 hours a day, maybe 12 hours a day. So all that together, really, I uh, buy some nighttime power is what I what I'm getting at. And all of that is power. Every bit is green as the, sorry, my battery was low. Every bit is green as the power I make my roof. DWP has a green power program. And -hmm. if you sign up for it, they put new green kilowatts into the grid, You're not buying carbon offsets with a forest somewhere. You're putting new green electrons in the grid for every kilowatt hour that you use. They buy that amount of wind, solar, geothermal. So I only buy power at night when I need it, which is rarely. And I only buy 100% green power, as green as uh, nine kilowatts of solar on my roof. Long-winded answer, but you don't want to misrepresent things with a good question like that.
1: Yeah, and and it's interesting because I actually worked on a project uh, for the Museum of Science called uh, It Was All on Solar Energy. Not to bring this up, but Dan Nocera came up with this. He's from MIT. He came up with a way to take energy from the sun and convert it to hydrogen that's supposed to power your home and your cars. But I guess that didn't come to fruition, but the, the kiosk that I worked on that I designed is still sitting in the Museum of Science. But I'm just curious as to, uh, I'm wondering if that's something that could be an option uh, today.
0: Yeah, if you have a good rooftop as I actually do, you have the space for something like nine kilowatts. You can run a house quite easily with two or perhaps even three thrifty people in it, you know, charging a certain amount of electric car charging. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you use all led lighting and energy efficient stuff like that and Lutron dimmers, you can do it.
1: Hmm. Uh, I also wanted to talk about, I, I know this is an interesting subject, but about bees. Uh, and uh, what? And I know uh, bees are actually a, a big component of the environment, right? Because we're still having issues, uh, and people are still, unfortunately, because of the environment's destroying bees, and those are critical for our 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 Earth, our planet. I'd love to talk to you about that and what can people do to save our bees
0: pollinators are very very important and uh, I think 65 percent of the produce you see at your market comes from pollinators avocados and you know lot all the citrus and what have you you need those pollinators so you get to have a lot of the food we we need so I had a uh I had my own line of cleaning products called Baby's Best and uh when I started in 2004 I thought well, I'm going to be retired any day now. Things are starting to slow down a bit as an actor in 2004, so I can devote myself this line of cleaning products. And I had some time for a while, but then things really picked up in a very amazing way uh, as an actor by schedule. You know, got very challenging. So I had to abandon that company and and, you know, focus on the acting work. But then my friend... Mark Cunningham came to me and said he had a, a line of cleaning products that he wanted me to consider, you know, partnering with, with him on. And I did their wonderful formulas, uh, certified by the EPA designed for the environment program, really, really good products. And everybody's clean as, as the ones I had originally, and more importantly, a wider variety of different SKUs, different products. And so, uh, just go to Amazon and type in Begley cleaning and you'll find it, or just go to Google and type in Begley cleaning products and you'll find it. And they're, they're very good products. I'm glad they're non-toxic. I wouldn't have it any other way, but most importantly, besides that clean, clean formula they they work very well. They're very effective. You know, as good as any formula 409 or Windex or anything like that. And certainly with things like the floor cleaner, the pet stand and odor remover, you got pets or kids that are crawling around on the floor all the time, putting their fingers or their paws in their mouth. You don't want them to be getting that stuff, that toxic stuff in their mouth, in their system. So you got to be careful with that stuff. Everybody's out there and I'm there with them. We signed protesting the hazardous waste site near their homes. But the worst hazardous waste site is not just near their home. It's in their home. It's under the sink, you know, with all those cleaning products that we seem to want to buy. Stop buying those buy other good products. Seventh Generation makes good ones too. Ecover, you know, there's other people, I'm not gonna be just uh, self-serving here, say buy my products, I hope you do. I think mine are among the best, but other people make them and get them and try them. They're, they're very, very good, they work.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah, and I'll, I'll share the, the links. Uh, we actually have a caller on line one. Hello? Hi, is this Melissa?
2: Hi, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? Thank you for calling in.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for having uh, Mr. Begley on. He's so amazing, his acting and his uh, environmental work. So I wanted to just say, Mr. Begley, your products are amazing. Uh, I actually spilled red wine on one of my white couches that I just got, and I used the dog product, the pet product. It came off like it disappeared.
0: Fantastic, Alyssa. That's so great. Thank you for trying it. I'm so glad it worked. It certainly worked in every stain that I've had, so I'm glad it worked on that difficult stain of of wine. That's great to hear. Thank you so much.
2: No, thank you so much because I literally just bought this couch and I sprayed the uh, pet your pet product on there, and it came right off. It disappeared right in front of my eyes. So I actually put a review on. Amazon. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for your products, for your life's work. And, uh, thank you, sir.
0: Thank you for the review on Amazon. Wow. Wow. Great. Bless you, Elizabeth. (laughs) That's so lovely.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Dan, so much. Have a great day.
0: Thank
1: you. You You too. too. Thank you for calling in. There's been a lot of negative press out there that if we don't do something now, which is true, we don't do something now to protect our, our, our earth then it's you know there's obviously going to be uh we're already seeing the effects of global warming so and i'm not sure how we can reverse it but what can people do to to really help with the environment what can people start with what can w- what kind of messages do they need to hear because our earth is our home and that's all we have
0: well i urge people to do it just the way i did it when i started in 1970 As I said earlier, I was a broken, struggling actor. I wanted solar panels. I wanted a fancy electric car. I couldn't afford either, of course. I didn't have anything like the funds for that. But I could afford to ride my bike. I could afford to take public transportation. I could afford to do some home composting. I could afford to buy, you know, make vinegar and water spray to clean things and then baking soda to clean things. You know, I turned the lights down when I didn't need them, turned the thermostat you know, down in the winter and up in the summer, everything that I did on a real budget back in 1970, it always good for the environment, also good for my bottom line. And I found I had extra money, you know, after a while, and I could then move up the ladder a bit after picking the low-hanging fruit. I could buy a solar oven after a while. I could buy a barrel to collect some rainwater. Pretty soon after 20 years of doing it, not actually 15 years of doing it, in 1985, I could afford solar hot water. I could afford to, I was working on St. Elsewhere. then I invested in a wind farm. I bought half of a wind turbine in the California desert that made wind power and sold the electricity to Southern California Edison. So uh, I did everything that I could, you know, without going broke or going into debt doing it. And that urge, that's exactly what I'm asking people to do. It's an interesting list that people have the things they can't do. I always want to hear that. That's good to know. But the more interesting list is the things that you can do. Do those things today. You don't run up to the top of Mount Everest. You get the base camp and you get acclimated after a few days and you climb some more. And not everybody's going to make it to the peak. Not everybody gets to the summit. Not everybody's going to afford a Tesla, and nine kilowatts of solar, a lead platinum home. But can you buy a thermostat? Can you buy some weather stripping? Can you buy an energy efficient light bulb? Can you ride a bike? If weather and fitness permit? can you take public transportation? If it's available near you, home gardening, home composting, if you got a front or backyard. I don't have a backyard. I don't have a front yard. I'm in an apartment. Can you get part of a community garden? They don't have a community garden. Start one. You know, there's always a yes after you've said all your no's. Yeah. Find what that yes is and do it. We have to do it for the for Greta, you know, and all the other young people that now see where we're headed and it's not pretty, the world that's going to be to them and they're understandably upset with us start small and build do what you can today yeah that's great
1: uh and also i i see a lot of plastics still being used there's still a lot of plastics being manufactured and just even with waters and how is that affecting the environment as well
0: a lot of the petroleum that we're you know we're drilling for oil and we're fracking for natural gas. It's not being used to make fuel, a lot of it. A lot of it's being used to make plastics, Uh single-use plastics. You know, you can make a case for making eyeglasses out of plastics that are going to last you 10 years sometimes or more, a good pair of glasses. Um, You can make a case for making medical equipment out of plastic or other things like that, different parts, components that can't be metal, some plastic in something durable like a computer. I get that. But single-use plastic, you know, get one of these reusable bottles. Get I have some down in my back here, these, you know, um, I'll pull it out so people can see, you know, some utensils. Rather than use those plastic utensils they give you your takeaway food or what have you. Always say, no, I don't want any plastic spoons or what have you. Here's a little case you can. Clip it to your belt if you want, like this.
1: Oh, that's great. It's
0: got chopsticks, a knife, a fork, a spoon, all made out of bamboo. Very sustainable materials and what have you. And, you know, canvas bags for your groceries. You know, there's so many things you can use instead of the the plastic throwaway. And fortunately, we just passed a few bills here in California. You can no longer continue this fantasy of all these different little numbers, three, four, five, six, little circles with the the recycling arrows. They're not really recyclable even in LA. Number three, number four, number five, number six, uh, plastics. So they're not gonna be able to do that in California anymore. They can't put that sign on it. Number one and number two, they can. You know, if they continue to have a place where you can take them, but there's no place to take number three, number four, number five, number six, those different resins you can't take. So they're, you know, they're trying to make some of these things have some accountability with the companies that are making and promoting products in these single use plastic, you know, materials. And so we're doing well in California with that. And I hope we continue to.
1: Right. Yeah. And I know a lot of the plastics, unfortunately, end up in our oceans, too, which is is unfortunate.
0: Only 10 percent of it really gets recycled. Everybody. Talks about recycling, and some people like me and others do it, but sometimes even put it in the bin. Oh, good, it landed. I saw it go in the recycling bin. A wind comes up and blows it out of the bin and blows it into a stream and out to the ocean. You know, yeah a lot of times they've run out of a place. They don't take our uh, plastic materials anymore in Asia. So they recycle a lot of these resins, even number one and number two, sometimes, and they have no place to put them. They put them in a landfill. Yeah. And the wind comes and blows them out of the landfill into a stream or down a storm drain and out to the ocean again. So it's a big problem. You know, we're paying a price for this convenience. But I'm old enough to remember when I would buy a pack of gum or a greeting card and they didn't put it in a little plastic bag. You know, Mm -hmm. my life was fine without that. And it can be fine again without getting all these. Just remembering to bring a canvas bag with you when you go to buy groceries or anything. Yeah. And uh, life will go on without most single use plastics and, and it'll be fine life, I promise you.
1: It was such an honor and a privilege and a blessing to have you on the show. And I wanted to thank you so much for, for being with us today. And
0: again- Thank you, buddy.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Dan Gilman with Discover Your Potential and we look forward to next time. And do as my mother used to say, do something nice for yourself And do something nice for others.
2: This is Cindy Gilman, and you're listening to Discover Your Potential. So until next time, do something nice for yourself, but do something nice for someone else. In every
0: The only
2: music that